Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of The Hillary Show. I'm happy that you're here and tuning in. Today is a big treat. We're going to hear from a fellow entrepreneur who has used some of her rock bottom moments to really launch just this incredible shoe business and using her imagination to design things and making them come into real life is just so fascinating for me as kind of a non-artist, wish I could be an artist person, and really the message of resiliency and positivity. You are going to feel so good after the end of this podcast. I promise you're going to want to share it and download it and listen to it again. Enjoy. Danielle Milton is the founder of J. Marie Premium Sneakers, a premium sneaker brand conceived in Detroit, Michigan, and handcrafted in Italy. Her story, though, it didn't begin there. You see, in high school, Danielle consistently and constantly sported heels. But when she landed a job in the city, parking lots and long walks to the office became a daily reality. And after a diagnosis with multiple sclerosis and loss of vision in her right eye, the heel that was once the cornerstone of her appearance became the cornerstone of her pain. After trying different brands of gym shoes that were often too masculine, boyish, or too athletic, none of them fit the style that made her feel the most authentically her. So she ditched the gym shoes for good and created her own brand. I love that this is the, this is the outcome here of her own fashionable premium sneakers. And that's Jay Marie premium sneakers. It's so great to have you on here, Jay Marie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, this is awesome. Okay. So I wear sneakers more and more, mostly because Jordans are so fashionable right now. I love that teenagers have made uh, Jordans fashionable. And uh, I, so I love wearing sneakers in general, but I agree a lot of times sneakers just aren't really on, I guess on brand is kind of like the right way to say it. Yeah. I was and, just going to say, I was like, you look so like a girly girl and very feminine. And I, I wouldn't tag you as a Jordan girl. That is interesting. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, and I do like kind of pulling in different pieces, but right now like banks, uh, like Spanx leather jeggings and Jordans and a, and a pretty okay. top. And you just feel like edgy, I guess is kind of the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about getting diagnosed with MS and tell our audience a little bit about what that medical condition means for you long-term? Because I know that that's a big variable. Let's talk about that first. Absolutely. So I would say around 2016, I was working from home and I had a computer job. At the time I was an insurance agent, that's my background. And I would always just have all these really sharp shooting pains in my head, always had headaches, my vision was always going in and out. At the time, I did have high blood pressure, very high blood pressure, unfortunately. So I just kind of thought it was that because every time I would go to the doctors, they would always say, well, it's normal to have some vision loss or some blurred vision with high blood pressure. But once it was regulated and I was medic on blood pressure medication, it still was doing it. In fact, it got worse. And I'm thinking like, okay, I can't really see out this eye. You know, when you're doing computer work, you need your vision. And I would notice every time it was getting worse and worse. And then with that, I was also experiencing like all these weird sensations in my body. Like I would feel sometimes like my skin was on fire. I can't even explain it. It was just like always like this burning feeling. And I would even feel silly trying to explain that to the doctor. 
characters because it was like how do you tell people your skin feels like it's on fire like what is that I don't even know what that feels like wow. but that's the closest thing that I can um, compare it to and then I would get these really bad like rashes in different places I would always be having like skin issues like it, whether it was like profusely itching uh, to the point I would always get um different medications prescribed to me from creams to pills to different things I was supposed to like with um, hydrocortisone in it that was supposed to stop it, but it didn't. It would get worse and worse and worse until one particular, I want to say it was 2017, 2018. I was just going through so many different things. My vision was worse. I actually, I lost vision because I couldn't even see out of that eye. And it actually I tried to go get contacts and they would not prescribe me any contacts. In fact, they were like, you need to go see a specialist because your eye is not even like it's dead. Like it's not reacting to any kind of stimulation. It's not moving. It's not doing anything. And I remember just breaking down at, I was at America's Best and I was just like, what the heck is going on? Like, is something wrong? As a matter of fact, the the doctor there, he was like, we don't have the equipment to really diagnose anything here. But what I can say is that there's some kind of like mass, you know, it's a white mass and it doesn't allow us to see anything past that. So when he said that, I remember just being so terrified because just hearing that I I immediately thought, do I have cancer? Is this a tumor? Like what the heck? And then of course, Google is the worst. Oh, I know. I've done the same thing. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I'm just like Googling different things like white mass um, behind eye, white and everything was coming up tumor, tumor or tumor can press against like the optic nerves. And I was just like, oh, my God, I kind of like self-diagnosed myself to think oh, maybe it's a tumor. So I went to see an eye specialist They really couldn't see anything or determine what it was. It was not a tumor. So they said we need to have for more testing. You need to go get an MRI. Then it went from MRIs to CAT scans. Then ultimately, with the combination of the different illnesses I was having, they wanted me to see a neurologist because they were like, a lot of the things that you're explaining, it seems nerve related because I would always have really bad anxiety. I would always have like really bad, like I said, different things going on with my skin. I had really bad headaches all the time. And it wasn't even necessarily headaches. It was just like, sharp shooting pain more so in the back of my head like near near my the nape of my neck so that was something that was always a problem like it would always hurt and feel tender back there so ultimately I ended up seeing a neurologist and it was a spinal tap that was able to allow them to diagnose it with that and um I funny thing enough my mom actually has one sclerosis too and we have two different kinds of multiple sclerosis Mm. so she has more of an aggressive one whereas mine's is more it can go into remission so I don't have to be a lot like her she has to get like shots and different things that kind of slow the progression of it and mine's more so affect my vision more than anything because that's one of the biggest things that I'm always having issues with is my vision and just all these different neurological responses. Well, and how interesting so, that that you're a designer. So you, you're know, messing right? with your vision. You mm-hmm. see things in your mind and you make them come into life because you design and create. So I wow. can only imagine how frustrating that is, but it's almost like 
I wonder if it doesn't matter what you're, because you have tapped so well into the things you see in your mind and then can create them with your, I don't know if it's with your physical hands or like with drawings. I don't know what the process is for making. I was on your website and looking at everything that you've designed and made. And you think about this is all had to originate in your mind at some point. And it came out of such a heinously painful experience. You oh. know what? That is so interesting that you put it like that. I never looked at it that way. Like I never looked at it that maybe that creative side came from that because that was something actually, I don't even talk about it often. Like my whole battle with MS and all the things leading up to it, because it was such a dramatic experience for me, even more so, even to this day, it still is because in a lot of cases I can't drive. Um, if I do drive, it's very limited. It only has to be like during the day. Um, I always want someone in the car with me because it's like my peripheral. It's just not good. So it's, it's ultimately, if it doesn't get better, I would eventually probably not be able to drive anymore. So I'm just going back and forth with different testing and getting things done and weighing my options with different kind of surgeries. I am not a surgery kind of girl, especially dealing with things with the eyes. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, why? I think it is a way to kind of hold on to a piece of me. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times I feel like I am changing in so many different ways. And I think that's why I go so hard in my business because it's almost like I want to have a legacy. I want to remember the person I was. You know, I, I pray and hope that I stay the same, but it's like I understand that I'm changing because I'm dealing with different things every day that I never experienced before. Well, with your health, probably, and with your business. So let's talk a little bit about your business. And I have a little website and like putting it together, basically creating a landing page for I created my my law firm's little landing page. And then I, I did it so wrong that when I finally hired an SEO company, they were like, I wonder why it's like this. And I was like, I have no idea. You'd have to talk to this, <laughs> this person. I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know, and then now I've created a landing page to kind of like have a place for this podcast to live if people search for it on the internet. And it was like such a big deal just to, you know, buy the initial like template to get started with this. And then you go to your website and there's pop-ups. Like as soon as I went to leave the website, it was like, Hey, don't go. Don't you want to shop some more? And I was like, well, okay. I do have a couple more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to have learned so much because e-commerce is yeah. totally different than like the individual. And that's what I'm familiar with. It doesn't sound like with an insurance background, you went to some school where they taught you how to do all of this. Most of us didn't. Right. So tell me about your journey there. Sure. I am such a hands-on person. Like I am always going to try to find a way to create things. Like if it, if there's an obstacle financially, I'm going to find a way around that. If it's an obstacle with something I don't know, I'm going to teach myself. And granted, I understand with learning new things and doing new things, you're not going to always be the best at it. So it just kind of always gets better and better. Because initially, when I first started my company, I didn't even have a website. It um, started off as I created sneakers for myself because it wasn't even a business idea at that time. And I was getting so many different compliments. I just kind of was like, yeah, I got to turn this into a business. Um, which is what I did. And initially, I didn't even have a website. I didn't know anything about selling like a tangible good. And a lot of people was like, where's your website? <laughs> do you have a website? And I'm thinking like, I'm I'm showing you the sneaker. I have it on. Like, do you want it or not? 
<laughs> so it was kind of like that um, same mentality of dealing with things face to face. You know, as an insurance agent, you're talking to people, you're kind of selling an intangible product. So a lot of things is based off of what you're saying yourself. And I learned very quickly that did not work in this industry. So I started to talk to different web designers and quickly found out it was something that I would not be able to afford at that particular time, especially not having all the functionality that I wanted it to have. So I just kind of thought like, what can I do to get this going now and just kind of go improve from there. So initially I just had a catalog. That oh, didn't work. It. Of course that's I love that idea, but yeah, it, it was not it it didn't work. No, it did not because it was so antiquated. Like who who reads catalogs? Again, I'm going, you know, back to what I know. So I was just like, okay, I need a website. And initially I built the first one and it just got better and better because people would give me feedback and I would take it and listen and then I would try to find out okay how do I add that functionality how do I do that and I would you know watch YouTube videos I would watch other people I would talk to other people who do design webs and just ask some questions like hey what does this mean when it does this and how do you do this plugin and how do you do that and eventually it just got better and better I think I revised my website maybe like six times and the first one that I did, it was so static. I believe it was on, um, I want to say it was either on GoDaddy or one of those websites where the functionality was very low. It was like a, almost like a landing page, sort of speak. So it, was, it just didn't work for what I was doing. So I was just like looking for different ways. Like, how can I improve this? How can I get it better? And I'm here now. And there's more improvements to even come in the future. This is the design of the website, which is such an important component for your business. How do you go through the creative process of designing shoes? I am inspired by so many different things. Like I can see a color, right? I could be out maybe let's just say at a restaurant and someone walks past and I'm like, wow, I love that color of that shirt. And I'm always with my phone and like snapping pictures of stuff and like getting Google to tell me like, what color is that? What's the name of that color? Or what's that texture? And I'm just always like building these mood boards is what I call them. Like I have so many notebooks, so many posters, like all around my, my home of just little sketches. Maybe I'll put like a fabric and say, I like that. And then it just kind of builds over time. Sometimes not all designs make it, you know, I might start putting things together and then look at it and say, ah, that didn't look how I thought it was going to look. And then once I kind of get everything made and put together, it just kind of go from there. Some things are revised until it gets to like a final design. Um, for example, one of the first designs that I created, Born in the 80s, the retro trainers, the pink and turquoise, that was kind of like the first sneaker that I designed. That particular design went through so many different changes before it ultimately ended up at that. Um, because I knew that I wanted to do a story of kind of like who Jay Marie is. So, so of course, it started with my year that I was born, right? So born in the 80s. And I'm thinking like, what is what are all the things that remind me of the 80s? So I'm like trying to cram all, all these different ideas into one design until it just kind of narrowed down to like those two colorways. Because to me, it was just like turquoise and pink, pink was such an iconic color that just from 80s for me and it just that's how it works that's how my process works it's like I throw stuff to the wall 
and eventually cut it down until something sticks to where it's like, I love this design. I love this. I love it. I love it. Well, and I have in my mind, I'm thinking of like a throwback eighties, uh, windbreaker that I have and it's turquoise and hot pink. And I'm like, yeah, those are, that's for real eighties colors. So I, I feel it when you talk to, or, or I don't know if you are getting in front of young women who are wanting to start businesses, but I can see them really being inspired by you because I think when we're in middle school, definitely when we're in high school, we get exposed to, or we have the opportunity to be exposed to, you know, like a journalism class or a graphic design class or photography and those sorts of things. And it really plants a seed of creativity and it just feels so good to create. And then you, if you're not going to, if you haven't convinced yourself, you're an artist, then you have to go get a real job. And it seems like for you, you've always had the artist inside of you but if you were working in insurance before, like, how did you make the transition to deciding that you're an artist, that you're a designer, that you're a creative, or has it always been there? I would say that it, it's always been there. I've always been the girl who I, I just remember so many times in school or when I was younger, like making different things, not even knowing how to sew or do anything. It could be something as simple as like ripping a sleeve off of a t-shirt and using the sleeve for like a a hair wrap or just like kind of cutting a dress in half and make it shorter. I did that a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I have and to do that because I am short, but I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I would always do like, I would always alter my clothes. And I did that to a lot of my friends as well. Like I'm always like the person giving me like fashion advice, like, oh, that would be cute if you did this and did it like this. So that was kind of always a thing. I am a very analytical person. So an insurance agent is not too far from my um, personality. It's definitely a part of me. I think everybody is like dynamic enough where they have like these different facets of their personality, but it was just like, I have something else to offer. There's more, more inside of me. Like this isn't just the one thing I'm interested in. So it kind of was always there, but I think the deciding factor to kind of just move forward with it was when I diagnosed with MS, had my own sneakers made and I was getting such positive feedback. It just kind of clicked because I'm I'm thinking like, okay, this demographic is not being catered to because obviously when I was looking for a sneaker, I couldn't find it. So what if there's other women that feel the same way that I feel like, why not turn it into a business? And I just kind of took all the things that I learned in sales because that's primarily where my background is. I went to school for business management and just said, how can I kind of marry all these things together and do something that makes sense for me? And that's what I did. I just kind of had an idea of a business I wanted to create. And I just kind of pulled from all the resources of everything that I am as a person and just kind of put it into a business that made sense for me, where I can be myself within the business. When you think about the young women who might be listening, maybe they're in their twenties to 25. I think that's young. Although when you're 20 and 25, you're starting to think that that's old, right? But they're hearing us talk about being born in the eighties. So we've, we've labeled ourselves, we've outed ourselves. When you think about that age and someone who may be wanting to start their own Maybe it's they're going to design something or start their own business. What would you tell them if you could give them just the best piece of advice? I always tell people that I am a non-performance, non-traditional business person. And here's why I say that is because when you go into business, 
you always hear, you know, start a business plan, you know, benchmark different companies and kind of do what's already been proven to work and kind of pattern your business off of that, which I believe in that. I definitely know that, you know, if it's not broken, why fix it? However, there are trailblazing ideas and trailblazing companies that at, at a time, there was no other company to benchmark because they were the first of their kind. And I always believe if you want to go into business that kind of really allows you to live out your passion, you have to come from that standpoint. I think that when it comes to business, you can do it the traditional route, which is what makes me the most money and how to do that the quickest. Or if you're coming from the standpoint of what makes me happy and what do I have to offer the world to leave my mark on it. So I think that you have to be clear about which way you want to go. And if it is about being trailblazing and doing something that's a passion of yours, you have to believe in your dream more than anybody. You can't let anybody deter you from that. You can't let anybody turn your vision into their vision or allow them to speak their insecurities into your vision. So I always tell people just know what it is that you want to leave the world with and what you're trying to accomplish. And if it is to be a trendsetter, a trailblazer, a pioneer, you just got to do it and don't let anybody else deter you from what you're trying to bring to the world so that it can be authentic, authentically you because nobody else can offer what you can offer to the world. And no one else can offer what's in, well, for you in particular, your head, because you're making it come to life, which is so cool. This is, this is a question I always love to ask people at the end of our show. And I hate that we're at the end. We have to talk more. We have to be friends. I know it went so fast. I know. I love it. I love it. Well, and you've like, you've just given such you're really, you have just such a good energy. I'm sure you hear that from people that you have a really good energy about you where like, I feel my heart open when I'm talking to you. So you, uh, if you don't know that that's a thing, so you've got it going. What are you reading right now? The Bible. (laughs) I know it sounds so cliche. No, not at all. No one has ever said that. Even I've interviewed a lot of pastors and they've never said that they'll talk about books that talk about the Bible, but they've nobody's ever said the Bible. So tell me about it. I think, I I guess I just, you know, when you're faced with things that you're fearful of, that could possibly change your life, could possibly mean death. You know, I'm not claiming that, but I'm also a realistic person. And I look at the things that my mom is going through with her health and look at what other people who have been diagnosed with these certain things and dealing with something as traumatic as losing vision in your eye and not being able to see the way you would want to. It's almost like you kind I have to have something bigger than me that kind of anchors me because if I allow myself to kind of spin out of controls thinking about the what ifs, I would I wouldn't even be able to do what I'm doing now because I would be feeling pity for myself. I would mm-hmm. be you know, ready to give up. I would be, you know, woe is me. So I need to, not to say that other books or there aren't anything out there that's inspirational, but it's just like, okay, I did that when I went to business school. I read all of those those books. And at that time, it was good for what it was and who I was then. But now I'm looking at like the bigger picture of like, what does this all mean? You know, maybe that could be why I'm going in that direction or where's all of this leading up to, or is there something bigger that's supposed to come from all of this. So I guess that's kind of why I'm in that lane right now. Yeah. A few years ago, I had a, it was in 2020. I had a big tumor on my 
uh, ovary. And when, when you were talking about going for an eye exam and them telling you and kind of, I could, it took me back to that moment where they came in. Cause I was having, it felt like I needed to go number two and couldn't. And yet I didn't need to go number two. It was like, something was pressing very hard down there. And, or it was like, it was the same sensation of when I was going into labor, it was like, there's oh. pressure. I don't know what's going on. So I finally went to the emergency room on the 4th of July and they came in and told me you have a large mass. Um, we don't know, we won't know right now, whether or not it's cancer. And then it was like, you see in the movies where the person's still talking, but you stopped listening to them. And yeah. I think that, you know, it wasn't cancer. It was just a teratoma tumor. And those are like very strange. Cause they're basically hair and te- you're like growing a baby outside of the uterus, which is wild that I didn't even know it was yeah. hair and teeth essentially. Isn't that so weird and kind of gross. <laughs> and that's so scary though. Yeah, so it was scary. super was scary. So- Who yeah. cares about stuff like that? So I could, I, I know exactly what and the internet was not my friends. I really, I know what you mean. You go home and even when you're for me, like they, they anticipated and they said the words teratoma tumor is what we think this is. So I got to go home and at least have some context and, and read, you know, most teratoma tumors are not cancer and you know, they, you just, you remove them and you move on with your life. And that's exactly what happened for me. So I at least had Google mostly being my friend, but right. then I would click about, well, what about the other 1.0009%, you know, <laughs> but you start to, you start to look a little bit at your, like all of us are going to do one thing. We will all die. And it really is. I think just, I guess, I don't know if it's a wake up call. Cause I don't know if I was asleep, but to some extent, I think we are all a little bit sleepwalking and yeah. we think that we have, you know, we imagine this fantasy of the, the life that we're going to live in the time that we're going to have and faith and, um, feeling like you're leaving something, leaving, leaving the earth a little better than you found it. I think is, I think that that's where for me, I really think that we really connect on that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, That's a great point that you bring out too, because I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking like, wow, that that's exactly what happened to me. I kind of was just like sleepwalking and just like working and just, you know, going through the motions of the, the mundane life, you know, you go to college, you graduate, you get a job, you, you try to start a family, you try to get married, you try to do all these things. But then when you're faced with, you might not be able to, to like live this thing out. Like, what are you going to do? How, how are you going to make an impact on this world? Like, what are you, what is impactful about what you're doing now? And it was just like all those things, like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of playing small. I'm tired of having ideas and thoughts of things and never carrying them out because another thing about me is I've always been like a serial entrepreneur, always kind of like having these ideas and I would start it, but I never quite really saw things through like legitimizing it and really taking the steps to grow it into a a real profitable business. And I think being diagnosed with MS kind of made me stop doing that because it was just like, okay, you don't even know where this thing is going and you do something and finish it and complete it. You know what I mean? Like stop starting stuff and just kind of stopping and then moving on to something else. Like you're not giving yourself a chance to see your full potential because everything is going to require, especially great things, time to develop. So I just 
kind of just was very adamant about my time after learning about that because I was just thinking like I don't know where this is going to go I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak I don't know you know if I'm going to get ill like my mom she she wasn't able to walk she's in a wheelchair she did just have surgery so she's getting to the point where they're putting things in place where she will be able to walk again but it just made me look like you just don't know where this thing can go so it's just like live your life to the fullest that's kind of like the idea the mindset I started to develop yeah I love it and I can't help but notice the parallels between your you know younger you advice which is like you don't need to you don't need to model what other businesses are doing if you want to do something revolutionary you should do something that's that's really different and I can very much connect with that I I noticed that as you came out of your MS diagnosis and really got serious about this and you wanted to create something different, it's at the same time you decided to live differently, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. That is so true. And that you are so intuitive. (laughs) I don't know about that, but. (laughs) But it's interesting that you say that because I did. I I really did because I started doing more research on autoimmune diseases because I have found out, you know, of course, with doing my own research, found out that MS is classified as an autoimmune disease. And I just kind of always had this thought of why would your body start fighting against itself? Like that, that idea never made sense to me because I'm like, something from the outside had to come inside to make your body start fighting. And, you know, you would hear all these different doctors say things like, well, you know, autoimmune doesn't necessarily mean that. And I I would always be like, it means exactly that. Like it's something your immune system is going against its own self. So I just always started thinking differently about the things that I ate, the things that I, you know, my environmental factors. And I remember doing like this deep dive into sugar and like all the different ramifications and things that sugar causes and how it can actually change the chemistry of your mind and kind of like change different things within you. And even though I'm not a doctor, you know what I mean? Um, I could just go off of a hunch. I just truly believe that a lot of the things that we eat sometimes are contributing factors to our health. And when you do something over a long period of time, who's to say that these aren't kind of like the outputs of it. So it it has caused me to be very conscientious of how I take care of myself, what I ingest, what I put on my skin, because I'm just like, you know, even though there's nothing scientifically proven this, but who's to say, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I saw a TikTok reel. I don't know if that's actually, I saw a TikTok or I saw a reel and it was mm-hmm. someone interviewing a doctor and he was saying how, you know, so many people in the diet culture talk about calories in and like output out. And that's basically how you stay at an optimal, optimal weight, but we don't take into account the fact. And we really, as as a society overlook the fact that, you know, a lot of our foods are highly addicting and once, and then, and the obesity is a, a disease. And that really, that really got me thinking about, you know, the way I want to raise my kids and have conversations with them about why it's important we should be eating healthy calories, but a hundred calorie pack snack of those like Oreo bites or whatever is not the same as some carrots, you know? And so having a conversation and it's not even about the calories, it's really about the content. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. When I did, um, I did IVF to get pregnant with my twins 
And the doctor was like, sunscreen is so bad for us. Sunscreen is just so bad for us. And you should be using the zinc stuff. And this was my twins are going to turn 10 this year. And our IVF journey started well before that. And now we see these natural sunscreens in stores, but yes, all of these things are shampoos, all these chemicals that are just constantly going on our bodies. It's a big deal. It is. And we, I think we kind of like socialize the thing well if it's offered in the store it got to be good for us right it got to be healthy like mm-hmm. why would somebody sell something that's bad but you we don't know a lot of times these some of these products they're regulated but not in the sense of how we think that they're regulated they may be regulated on a taxation side of things or on a finance side of things but not necessarily ingredient side of things and then there's all these nuances that changes or make something acceptable you know you can have like a detrimental ingredient as long as it's under this amount of percentage but who's out there doing the research to find out our people there's no body restricting how much of something you can buy and eat so even though that one particular product may have a safe amount what if you're a person who's overindulging in that Mm -hmm. you know what I mean because mm-hmm. you mentioned like food is very addictive. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you as a consumer, I think we got to take things into our own hands and kind of make sure that we're like doing research and finding out what's best for ourselves and our families instead of leaving that up to companies and, and corporations and, and governments to do that because that's not their job. They're in it for a profit. You know what I mean? Right. And they're right. going to say just to make it okay. <laughs> to make it okay. This is just enough of whatever pesticide. <laughs> and uh, we're going to trust right. that they were holding the medicine dropper and measuring it correctly when they were adding it to your cereal exactly. bar. <laughs> right. So it's just like, no, we, we have to be more conscientious just as humans to, to understand. Unfortunately, we live in a corporate society. That is the bottom line. And sometimes things can get unethical. I mean, thank God you have companies that are, are socially responsible, but not every company is that. So yeah, absolutely. You just gotta be careful. Can you tell our listeners where they should go to check out your shoes? Sure. So go check out the premium sneaker line at www.jmariepremiumsneakers.com. Actually, make sure you join our mailing list because you get $30 off your first premium pair. And I offer exclusive steep discounts to all of my followers and people that are on my mailing list. So you definitely want to make sure you become a part of that because it's an ongoing sale. It never ends. An ongoing (laughs) sale that never ends. We all like those. Oh, Jamie, it's such a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. You are very welcome. It's a pleasure connecting with you as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. What do you think? Another episode of The Hillary Show. I'd love it if you would text a friend a link and say, I think you would enjoy this. That means so much to me. It's the greatest gift you can give me if you got value out of this. And I look forward to seeing you again next week.